1: It is the final episode of the year. We normally answer listener questions this time, but I'm changing things up because it is the end of the year. We're gonna do a New Year's special lightning round. So, bum are, bum bum, 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 bum. <laughs> are you ready? Quick fire questions, or maybe not, depending on how long. winded we go? <laughs> Knowing <laughs> us, depending it's on how not so lightning. John gets <laughs> and everybody. So I wanted to know. Zena and John, what movie scene or moment scared you the most and scared subjective? Just what stuck with you?
0: Okay. Can I go first? Yeah, please. Okay. The first one terrified that movie, the, the movie as a whole. Mm. And I know it didn't come out this year, but this was the year that I watched it. So here yeah, we go. that that's, that's um, what's
1: important that as long as it's this year, it doesn't
0: matter if it's a new release, whatever. Okay, cool. So I'm gonna go with the kitchen table scene. It is. It will forever be in my oh, brain. Oh
1: gosh, yes. forever. Yes. So yes, yes.
0: That's that the first entire one that entire
1: movie is so scary.
0: It really is. But that's like the first one that uh, came to my mind, and then just a the second one as an extra because you know, New Year, New You. I want to give you a bonus. The movie <laughs> after <laughs> the movie after midnight when they when they finally revealed the monster. Oh. that part like spooked me out. Nice. What about you, John?
2: So I finally watched Audition this year, so Ooh. so that movie is my answer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> was it the entire movie or was it the ending? Because that movie lulls you into a false sense of of uh, comfort.
2: Yeah, the ending when the big twitches yeah. still kind of haunts me. I have twitchy mm-hmm. stuff. Like I just discovered that I actually have HBO Max, and I saw that House on Haunted Hill, House on Haunted Hill is on it. Yeah, in nice. 1999. So I'm kind of excited to go watch like the first forty minutes and then be really upset by the rest <laughs> of the movie. Aww. Um so like the bag twitching uh the piano wire definitely mm-hmm. got me. Um but yeah, just most of the movie in general. Like the, the guy's original intent and then what happens to him is all just nope. Nope <laughs> Japanese horror tends to get me one way or another and audition definitely got me.
1: Uh, yeah, Takashi Miike, he has a dark mind a lot of times. Oh, man. Don't you love it? How about you, Megan? What? Oh, for me?
2: No, you. Uh,
1: yeah, yes. okay. Well, I was content to just let you guys have at it. I'm the question asker. Um, oh. But but, I guess the dark and the wicked, that utterly mm-hmm. unnerved me for lots of reasons. Um. But mostly just Brian Bertino knows how to make something terrifying out of nothing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that would be my pick. D- if it had been, like, the year oh. before terrified would have hands down but i have i i adore that movie that one's so good i'm sure there's yeah. other ones but the my default was like dark of the wicked right <laughs> all right I, know I had to
2: scramble a little bit but audition definitely st- i still stand by audition there might be other ones no that's
1: a that that's a fair answer if you've not seen audition people just go in blind
0: <sighs> yeah
1: um do you have a New Year's tradition as far as horror goes? Like a movie that you have to watch this time of year, whatever?
0: Um, no, I don't I don't watch a particular movie or particular movies around this time, but I do like to, you know, bring in the new year with like a horror marathon, maybe okay. just catch up on the ones that I missed out earlier that, you know, that was released this year.
1: So you do like a, a horror catch up marathon or that it just yes. the marathon changes.
0: Oh, okay, cool. Mostly it changes, but for the most part, it's ones that I just kind of missed out on. Nice. What about you, John?
2: Oh, man. If I played catch-up for all the horror things that I missed, I would have to take off the entire month of, of December and January just <laughs> to get caught up. Uh, so, no, I I really don't have anything specific for New Year's Eve. Like, I could say I watch New Year's Evil, but I might randomly watch New Year's Evil anyway. Um, mostly, I'm just terrified that my kids are going to say they want to stay up till midnight. <laughs>
1: go to bed do you stay up till yep. midnight or are you like no Good
2: god no. <laughs>
1: no
2: if i'm not in bed by like 10 10 30 i'm pretty bummed out
1: oh you're cranky john huh That is. well so
2: like kids wake up early yeah
1: so what we're getting from these past couple episodes is that you're a little bit of a holiday grinch you don't want holiday <laughs> yeah. horror you don't want to ring in the new year at midnight i mean that's cool
2: just just December. Just December. Just you roll December. past December and All I'm right. good. I'm more than happy to celebrate so like, you know, my bloody Valentine and the leprechaun series and everything but, else.
0: But do you think that if you let your kids stay up late, you know, is there a possibility that you can like tire them out and then maybe, maybe they'll sleep in?
2: Yeah, we've tried that. It doesn't work. Sometimes <laughs> oh I actually wake up earlier and that just aggravates me. <laughs> Like, why would you do that? The math is on my side.
1: Good times. Good times. How about you,
2: Megan? What What about you?
1: I actually don't really, but I do have a tradition that occasionally ties into horror. I watch, I ring in the new year with Kurt Russell movies. I, I usually do like a double oh, nice. feature of Kurt Russell. So obviously he's done horror. And the first one has to be like a drinking game. So usually. I'm, what do you mean? I mean, like, there, you establish rules. So last year I watched Tango and Cash. And so it's like drink uh-huh. any time they say their names or drink any time you <laughs> see somebody's butt and, and so on <laughs> and so forth. Yeah. So usually by the second one, I'm nice and toasted. So, yeah, not really a horror yeah. per se, but it, it, it does kind of extend to horror plenty of times.
2: Stick with Captain Ron and you can't go wrong. Oh,
1: no, no. I've done Captain Ron and the drinking games that I found online for that one. I was like the second movie was a blur because I kept running to the toilet to pray to the porcelain God. So I don't 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 be like me, folks. (laughs) Don't be like me.
2: That's not true. Be like Megan. Be
1: like (laughs) Megan. Yeah. Be a hot mess on New Year's Eve. I could have been like John and slept and I would have felt better the next day. Um so
2: honestly I'm either, I'm one or the other. i go to sleep early or I'm a hot mess. A and hot I prefer mess. the early yeah. version. That's
1: totally fair. Uh and that same note. Next question. Do you have any horror goals or resolutions for the new year?
0: Uh I usually try not to because I feel like I'm just gonna not give up the middle of the year, but just get so frustrated with myself, where it's just like, okay, don't forget you said you'll do this, and then I'm just annoyed with myself. Um, but this year upcoming year i want things to be different okay so i okay. actually have two all one, right one i am a workaholic so i want to try to make sure that i'm getting me time in there you yeah. know Yeah. you know how it is because sometimes i feel like but this is fun when it's work is it is it really you know
1: <laughs> i mean you do um, have to have some kind of break in there for sure so you definitely, don't overdo it yeah
0: definitely and uh just the last one I really want to finish my first feature. I've been working on it. Oh, nice! The beginning of the year, yes, it is a working process. You know, progress, and I'm really happy to say that I'm. I feel really good about it. I'm not going to lie. Yay. The beginning of the year, it was kind of trash, but now, Aww. you keep working at it. You're you make serious? that dream. I'm dead serious. I'm very. You're, you're making very a excited. feature. Yes, I am. Th- that's that's amazing. Thank you. That is so
2: cool. <laughs> I can't wait.
0: Yeah, I'm really. Yeah, how, do we, about how do we how do we follow up on that? Um <laughs> Well Well, I'll keep you guys updated. I mean, I didn't really I feel like I told people like, you know, I'm currently like writing it, I'm currently working on it. Um, but I didn't I really didn't put out any kind of details or anything like that. Not because I'm just like I'm just mysterious. It's not that, it's just kinda like I want it to be finished and then yeah. you'll know what it's about when you see it. Like Yeah. But I'm so excited for <laughs> you. Do I get a screener? He gets yes, a John, like, you yeah. will. You get special Well, I know
2: Megan does. Megan gets all the screeners. <laughs> I want a screener. You
0: you both will get screeners. You both will get special Yay. treatment.
2: Oh, That's awesome. I feel
0: a Thanks, what guys.
1: About... Yeah. Yay. That's exciting. John, follow that up.
2: <laughs> well, fingers <laughs> crossed, I'm hoping to publish my first horror novel this year. That is
1: yeah. exciting. Yeah, Can you give the, me a shout out? Aim...
2: Uh, I can you know I can work a character in there named Xena. You might yeah. not live, but you might not work, live. I can work something in there.
1: You've already like started drafting, or are you well into yeah. this progress? Or
2: uh, the goal will be to have my basic my basically my final draft done by March.
1: Nice. So it'll be
2: ready for publishing in October.
1: That nice. is super exciting.
2: So yeah, yeah, I'm like three quarter ish of the way done. Assuming that my publisher doesn't come back and say this is horrible. Why are you doing
1: this? Oh. No. Is this your first so, book yeah. are we, or are we suck as co-hosts and we uh, just didn't well, know? Well,
2: it, it depends on how you consider the term suck. Like if you've Googled my name, then you <laughs> you know plenty about me. No, I, oh, I've self-published five books. Oh, okay. Um, but they weren't very good. It was mostly that I got a master's in writing and I'm like, I should probably use this since I'm paying a lot of money. Nice. and so I basically kind of wrote and published books just through like amazon marketplace and things like that um but I didn't really put like the time and effort into really making a good book and I hope that this is a good book it <laughs> at will least that's be. my goal um so yeah that's one of that's my main goal for this year how about you megan what you got
1: man i I'm just in your shadows, you guys. No, I'm so yes. in awe right now. I don't
2: <laughs> says the says the woman who goes to the, all the film festivals, exactly. who was at Sundance last year. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> living uh, it up
2: on DVD, Jack. It's coming. I mean, on. it
1: is is true. I mean, success is very different for everybody. So, you know, everybody's paths are different. And I I'm very happy with what I've accomplished this year. Um, including this podcast, so Aww. I I don't know that I fully developed any resolutions because, like Zena, I don't normally like to because then you feel like you're not gonna to adhere to them. But on a, on a podcast scale, I do want to get better organized. Like I'm determined to get this Patreon stuff. Like I really want to do a <laughs> weekly newsletter with more extensive notes. I know we have. Uh, one of our listeners who curated a very awesome letterbox list yes. yeah. for everything, but I would love to kind of expand upon that. So, yeah, my goal is is to kind of get uh, more organized and kind of push our podcast further. And I'm sure I'll have other professional personal goals, too. But that that's my biggest baby right now.
0: Nice. So yeah. beautiful.
1: Thank you. I heart you guys. Um hmm. And last but not least for our long-winded lightning round, uh, what is your most anticipated <laughs> horror of the new year? That
0: oh could be gosh. movie,
1: game, book. It doesn't even have to be, I guess, a new release per se. Mm-hmm. Just something that you, like, it could even be a blind spot. So True, true. Putting that out there. What
0: What are you looking forward to the most horror-wise? Okay, well, I have new releases because I need to talk that about it. That is fine. Movies. Yeah. Of course, Candyman. We yeah. all need it for sure. Yeah. Second one, Last Night in Soho. I feel like that yeah. movie, it made someone, I think that the director made it for me, even though I know he doesn't know me. I just have a feeling. <laughs> yeah. And um, he did, Dark totally. Harvest. <laughs> oh, you, is, that,
1: is that the Brian Slade uh, based on the book? Yes, that's
0: it's the It's like Halloween themed. Okay, cool. Halloween themed. and I know, love that book yeah i haven't read it but it was just kind of like when i heard about it i was like this sounds magical yeah
1: <laughs> what about you john nice. you, john um i yeah
2: Candyman was top of my list too when i was thinking about it that for not i mean either trailer but the 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 cutout silhouette trailer is one of the best trailers i've ever seen and if yes. that's any indication into the creative output that went into this i can't wait to see it it's i think it'll be awesome um, number two for me is actually spiral than the, yeah. the saw reboot with chris rock. um my wife and I saw the first saw in the theaters, and like that became our our Halloween tradition like every year when it would come out, we'd see it in the theaters and I think we saw everything up until I think we saw everything up until jigsaw the last one mm. um, okay. so uh, yeah, i yeah I'm. The ups and downs in the Saw franchise, like notwithstanding, I'm still a huge fan of the series and really what it's done for horror and everything else. I'm excited to see what Chris Rock brings to the table, because I really like Chris Rock, too. Yeah. And I I love seeing comedians taking serious roles and horror roles and things like that, because I think they've got such a tremendous grasp of uh, really just darkness. Yeah, <laughs> the comedian, I agree. Comedians are some of the darkest people that I know. Because they they've been they've been able to figure out how to turn that pain that they see in their lives and other people's lives into humor mm-hmm. and something they struggle against and the failures that they deal with on a daily basis and like bombing on stage and the highs and lows like I can't wait I think it's gonna be great and side note I really want to see nobody with Bob Odenkirk which isn't horror but I but bloody disgusting posted about it I think that's gonna be amazing too yeah yeah.
1: I think we are unanimous on the Candyman front because that yeah. is also at the top of my list. Um, so, yeah, I think that uh, I'm very curious about Ghostbusters because that was mm-hmm. my kind of gateway into the world of monsters at like age four. Um, probably like all of the theatrical movies that got bounced. I'm I'm but most of all, I'm excited for the return to theaters. Like I want to be able to be safely back in theaters again. I'm not sure when that will be, but hopefully at some point in 2021, we can go and experience horror again together in a theater. Uh, And then, you know, I say this every year, but I think the things that I, I look forward to most are the discoveries that we haven't yet heard about. Like we know it's on the theatrical slate, but we don't know, what indie releases are going to pop up or festival Mm -hmm. darlings are going to pop up. So those are my favorite surprises. So yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to.
2: Welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone, the podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And to discuss the disgusting, you know her as lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting Horror Movie Fanatic and Journalist Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hey. You know her from her YouTube channel and website, Real Queen of Horror, and for her infinite love of the genre, Zena Dixon. Hey, Zena. Hello. And I'm John. If you're listening to this on a Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope your week's been filled with all the best kinds of horror. If not, let's do a quick round the table for all the movies, books, games, and anything else in horror that are making the three of us smile right now. There will be things that will make you smile too. So you know what's been filling your heart this week.
0: This week, Hells on Midnight Pulp. <laughs> this one I watched it on Midnight Pulp. It came out in 2008. In a strange twist of fate, a normal high school girl ends up descending into hell. It is now up to her and her newfound allies to find a way out. So I really love the storyline. This was just like a regular high school student who was running late for school. And um, yeah, she uh, has an accident and she dies and she goes to hell. So this is an anime, you know. Yeah. Um, I have to say, though, that the uh, if you're someone who really loves anime and you watch it often, the... Style is a bit different, the art style. I I like it. It looks very, like, sketchy, like someone just, like, sketched it real quick. Um, But I thought that it was strong because you're able to focus more on the storyline. And I do feel like when it comes to this one that they ask a lot for the audience because, you know, because the artwork is a little bit bizarre, you have to, like, stay focused, you know, on the storyline. And it is a mixture of, like, comedy and, like, I want to say that it's very well-developed. Like it's just like a whole world that they created. And I kind of just put it on like for like background type of thing. But I found myself like really I'm getting hooked. like really into it. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, it's really fun. Um. Again, if you like anime, you want to check this one out. I recommend it. Um. There are some little bloody things that happen. So. <laughs> little bloody things. Yeah, little bloody things.
1: <laughs> write that down. Little bloody things. I love that. That could be a movie
0: title. It could be. So the next thing that I watched, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night 4, Initiation on Tubi from 1990. The leader of a she-deeming cult has her helper fetch a newswoman for initiation involving insects. So in this one, there's like giant maggots, witches, witchcraft, and Clint Howard. You guys know I love Clint Howard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, (laughs) there
2: he is. That makes more sense.
0: Right? So this movie has everything that I love. (laughs)
1: Like, (laughs) and Brian Yuzna goopy madness on top of that. Yeah.
0: Yes. And it's like, I feel like this one is forgotten. I feel like I'm always saying this every week, but no, it's like this one is forgotten because even when it comes to the franchise, I feel like people like really love the first one and they really love the second one. But then after that, that's, you know, that's it. Like, you know. Yeah. But, um, so this one. Part five, I think. Part five. Yeah. Part five is more funny to me.
2: (laughs) Five of these.
0: Yes. Yes. And a remake, oh, man. so <laughs> holy crap! Yeah. But yeah, I get a I get a lot of pushback when it comes to this one. But hear me out, um, it's nothing like the first one or the second one. It's not it like any of them, yeah, a, at all. Like it, it doesn't involve uh, Christmas, not really. Like you'll see like some decorations in the background. It doesn't involve Santa Claus, and there's no psychopaths running around yelling out naughty. So you know you just
2: <laughs> Aww.
0: right, but it's 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 still great because the the news reporter who, that, this, that this movie follows named Kim, like you know, she's always just getting overshadowed, you know, um, by her coworkers who just so happen to be like all males, and you know, kind of like putting her down. And so she decides to investigate something on her own. And then she just gets into a whole world with these witches and sacrifice and an Egyptian god. And Clint Howard, he's like a homeless person who's dirty and, you know. <laughs> he nails this kind of role. He, he really does. He really does. And I'm I'm going to be honest with you. I'm I'm not saying that you should rush to go watch this movie. If you haven't seen it and you're interested in checking out, I think you should. I think it's a good, good watch. I like the atmosphere, I like the the storyline, I like the acting. It's very compelling, psychedelic, you know, type psychedelic. This. Yeah. Yes, and there's some gooey stuff, you know, like Megan stated earlier that's in here. And um just again, yeah, just check it out if you can. And if you guys are interested in knowing my ranking for the franchise, let me know because <laughs> I would love to share that with you. So yeah, that's. I'm sure that's people do I want watch. to know.
1: I have a question, though, because it has been a while since I've seen this one. And I know that um, people do not like this one, mostly because it's not very saturated in holiday iconography. But I'm curious mm-hmm. if this is like a kind of twist because, you know, Christmas does have kind of pagan ties in in Mm -hmm. the sense that christian
2: not just kinda (laughs) well yeah yeah.
1: okay so fair (laughs) but i'm just curious if this is kind of addressing that because you don't see a lot of that in holiday horror i mean it's all psychopath santas and Mm -hmm. you know now krampus is is emerging but i'm just curious if this is like an interesting kind of play on the pagan roots of, of the holiday
0: You know, I always thought so because I love the fact that they kind of dabble in, uh, there's like a whole backstory with like a, an Egyptian God, but then it just so happens to be taking place like around the holidays and people mention it, but it's not like in your face in your face Yeah, and something I think is pretty cool too. I mean, it it doesn't have anything to do about, do with what you asked, but you know, here we are, um. I love the fact that it's like, okay, with this one, the woman who plays Kim, she's also in the fifth one. And I don't know if people notice that, but she's just, she's just there. And it's just like, whoa. Okay, that's it. All right. There we go. So, <laughs> what about well, you, time. Megan?
1: Uh, I realized that I think you're probably the only one who watched like Christmassy-ish horror Right around Aww. Christmas. I did not. I went with the ruins. I was trying to find something to, <laughs> to watch. spring
2: break. <laughs> yeah. With
1: bright, hot Mexican sun, you know. But yeah. Was it spring break? They were on vacation. So, yeah. It's yeah, on HBO like Max. It came out in 2008. And it's uh, a leisurely Mexican holiday. It takes a turn for the worse when a group of friends and a fellow tourist embark on a remote archeolo- archaeological dig in the jungle. Where something evil lives among the ruins. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it might be the only movie I can think of that makes plants scary. Mm. Little it's... shop of horror, but that's <laughs> that's comedic. Even the Roger oh. Corman one is not very scary. Wait, oh, that scares you.
2: Audrey, too, doesn't scare me. Steve Martin scares me in it.
1: The dentist, isn't he? The dentist, yeah, well, he's, yeah. Like he's a good time again. He's Horribly not a plant, disturbing. though. Well, I guess that's much. I guess evasion of the body snatchers would be a scary plant, right? Kind Mm. of ish. Yeah, pod people. Yeah, they're like aliens, though. I don't know what this is, but. uh, The happening? That is not scary. That's (laughs) not scary.
2: Oh, I disagree.
1: (laughs) If you say the acting, that's not the plants.
2: I firmly believe it's a comedy. It's yeah, just a I do. It's oh, Yeah,
1: I don't think it's scary. I think it's, like, comedic, and probably intentionally <laughs> so. Maybe? I don't know. That's a whole other discussion. We're talking about The Ruins. Um, we are. And this is probably, I don't know if, John, I was thinking of you after I watched this, because there's a lot of gruesome, oh, no. yeah, well, because there's a lot of gruesome body horror in this one, and that is definitely mm-hmm. not your thing. So, I don't know. Have you seen The Ruins?
2: I have. Uh, I, I read the book first, so I think I knew going into it kind What to expect? So the body horror, yeah, it gets gnarly. Yeah, but it didn't bother me as much as other body, like, like if I were watching like Human Centipede or something. Okay, because it wouldn't bother me. Not a full
1: on body horror movie. Yeah, and again,
2: and I think because I was like, all right, this is going to be happening. And (laughs) it's always interesting to see the visualization of something that you've read. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like I was okay with it. I thought it was good. I mean, I honestly that was probably my favorite part of the movie itself. Oddly enough, um, there were definitely aspects of the book that I enjoyed more. It, it they had, they had to do a lot of shifting around and everything to make that a ninety or or you know hundred minute movie. Yeah, it's
1: a ninety minute movie. Um, I actually really enjoy the fact that the author of the book wrote the screenplay for the movie. Mm-hmm. So, which, you know, I always find the conversation about book adaptations to film very interesting because there's no way you're going to get that completely right. And also, why would you want to, especially in a setup like the ruins where it's almost essentially like a slasher, you know, these people (laughs) show up to the to the ruins and they kind of were pulled in by, you know, a German tourist looking for his brother who'd gone missing. And so they go and right away the locals who they don't realize because of language barrier have essentially trapped them on this like Mayan pyramid or Aztec pyramid. I'm not sure which, but it's covered Mm -hmm. in vines. They're there to prevent an outbreak and that's why they're hostile. But the, the tourists don't understand um, and then it kind of plays out like a slasher and one by one, they're falling in very grisly ways. And so it, it's kind of a simple setup that if you play that exactly like it is in the books, save for, you know, a character kind of embellishing on the characters and their relationships. I mean, you, there's not going to be much in the way of surprises. So I do appreciate that author slash screenwriter, Scott Smith rearranges things. Um, so certain characters do, die differently and then some are just flat Uh out the characters are just rearranged you know what happens to Mm -hmm. one actually happened to a different one in the book Um, yeah that's
2: what totally confused me watching the movie I was like wait a second like do I need to go back and read this because that didn't happen to that person yeah no what's going on no
1: and and you know he also kind of makes the lead girl a little bit more likable like Jenna Malone's character in the novel is very annoying. Um, And Uh of course her fate is very different and she, yeah. yeah. But to make her more of like a lead final girl ish type. Yeah. They had to, they had to change her up. So yeah, I really like this movie. It's gory. It's gnarly. And you don't get a whole lot of like bright scorching sun horror. And I'm, Mm. you know, when movies take a swing for that, I'm in.
2: It's also one of the more fascinating, Books.
1: It is a really good book.
2: Well, it's a good book, but there was also this really fascinating phenomenon because uh Stephen King, with people I think people understand this. First and foremost, not only is he Stephen King, yeah, is one of the premier best horror writers of all time, but he's also the, like the biggest horror fan oh, yeah. of all time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he comes out and he stands up and applauds new books and new movies and new TV shows and tells people, check him out, check him out, check him out. And he he had an amazing blurb on the cover of The Ruins. He called it the best horror novel of the new century. Hmm. And there was this really weird backlash phenomenon that I noticed. And I think after Amazon went back and started requiring verified purchases for their reviews, mm-hmm. it switched. But when I first uh, bought it or, or read it, there were more one-star reviews than five-star reviews. And this was after the movie came out. And almost all the five star reviews were people saying, I got this book because Stephen King said it was the scariest <laughs> book of the new century. And this sucks. Yeah. Like, it was this re- it, <laughs> There's this really weird backlash that happens when you get a big name to say something <laughs> so kind about your book that people put it on this weird pedestal. But like they put it on a pedestal and cross their arms. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, scare me. You yeah, know, so exactly. It's a really weird scenario where I just felt bad. Like, settle down people like he's he's just being a fan
1: mm-hmm. Like can do a really amazing general. thing
2: for another writer
1: yeah that happens a lot I mean I think his um, prominence in pop culture makes him mm-hmm. get it more than anybody else but I do notice that it's if, if you recommend a movie and people disagree they're going to be very angry about wasting their time on the movie <sighs> that you recommended and you know it's fine movies are subjective uh-huh. Your identity is not the things you love. It's cool. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I also started Evil. I've only got a couple episodes left. Um, on It's it's on Netflix. It premiered on CBS in like September-ish, like the fall of 2019. And mm-hmm. I think it ended um, in January. And it released on like blu-ray or dvd in june and then you know i think in october it dropped on netflix to kind of amp up for season two and Mm. so i've been binging it and i I really love this show um the plot it it follows a skeptical female clinical psychologist she's um enlisted by a priest in training who's also working with a high-tech blue-collar contractor and they're and they're tasked by the church to investigate miracles, demonic possession, and other bizarre, like extraordinary occurrences, to see if there's actually a scientific explanation for it, or if it indeed is something supernatural at work. So I, like I said, I only have a handful of episodes left, but this is such a pleasant surprise of a show because you do have this overarching uh, storyline, this bigger kind of demonic thing at play, but. You know, it also breaks down episode by episode where it's like, this one's a miracle, potentially. This one is, you know, is this a demonic possession? Um, And it toggles tone so well. Like, it will, one episode will be heavy on comedy, and then it will turn around and do something super creepy. And Mm. I just don't see that kind of whiplash done with such ease like it all works you know there mm-hmm. she this psychologist has four daughters her dot, her husband is away as a guide cl- climbing mount everest so he's not even in the picture for a lot of it mm-hmm. and these four girls you know get into a vr game and this vr game is surprisingly creepy um there's a lot of fantastic creature designs in it too that i adore so I think that this is one that thanks to it being on Netflix, will find more of an audience. And I recommend that you do check it out because, yeah, it's awesome.
0: Okay. You know what? I only, I started watching it, but then I stopped at episode two um, just because you know how it is. You're watching so many things and you get a little bit distracted. But okay, now you just encouraged me to finish it.
1: Do it and get back to me. Let me know your thoughts. Of course. What did you watch, John?
2: Uh, Just do this week. I had a short week at work. <laughs> like, I have this whole week off, so I don't even know if Whoa. I'm going to watch any What are
1: uh-huh. you going to do? Crazy. Not <laughs> watch horror.
2: Uh, no, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna make my wife feel better that she's not having to chase the kids around Aww. and keep them, like, <laughs> um, Working would be easier uh so I, I just watched you this week i watched 2019's death of a vlogger on amazon an ambitious vlogger experiences the dark side of the internet when his latest video which features an alleged haunting goes viral i think i started this one uh a while back and i got like a few minutes in and i just kind of zoned out and turned it off and it's like, ah, i'll turn it on i've been trying to find some good footage oh quick side note uh, thank you to our listener who recommend gave me a recommendation for a movie. Uh, I won't be watching Megan is Missing <gasps> because I watched yeah. the trailer and then I went on Wikipedia and it ticks basically every box of what I don't want to see in a horror movie. Mm. That said, I do appreciate it. I am <laughs> more than happy to at least check out partially check out recommendations from our listeners i'm more than happy to just keep in mind obviously i'm not necessarily going to like them or want to talk about them (laughs) on the podcast uh any movies that have a lot of rape or torture mm, Mm -hmm. no i'm good i i I don't don't need that so if if that's a big thing in there especially violence towards like women or especially like high school girls i'm like "Mm." no i know it was a huge thing because of tiktok this year for whatever reason it someone po- i think the like, director posted it on a tiktok or something like that
0: like these uh, younger and, younger teens or teens they discovered it you know
2: uh, yeah and yeah. then well there were so many movies that got discovered this year like people had never <laughs> they didn't know like the boondock saints existed or you know Catherine o'hara ex- was in beetlejuice and stuff like that it's huh. like okay kids uh <laughs> yeah, but kids. yeah so thank you for the recommendation i won't be watching megan is missing um I just that would that would have been my horror movie that stuck with me and disturbed Mm -hmm. me if I had watched that. I just know myself. Probably
0: not in a good way. Yeah. Not in a good way. No. Yeah. And honestly, it's like I wish that I would have had that warning. I did not You know, I remember. um, Yeah. People were just like talking about it like, oh, man, wait till you see the last 20 minutes. And I'm like, "Mm, you know, whatever. And so then I watched it and it was just like that. That one time was enough for me. I I don't recommend that movie. Um, to people <laughs> just because of what, what happens so
2: well I was curious and then I watched the trailer and there's just this moment in a trailer where it looks like some college guy like punches a high school girl and I'm like what wait what was that and then I looked up on Wikipedia and I'm like oh it gets so much worse than that yeah. <laughs> like okay now. Uh, so anyway I've been looking for <laughs> phone footage <laughs> and I found death of a vlogger and I looked up and I was pleasantly surprised It's it's a really interesting take on the viral video, Hmm. but also goes much deeper with social commentary and cancel culture and things like that. And kind of just leaves you guessing you're not entirely sure what the truth is in this and, and what actually is going on, which is kind of cool, too. Like, it's a cool idea kind of shining the spotlight on the the level of celebrity that so many people are trying to attain, especially like vloggers through YouTube, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, There's another vlogger uh, movie I started watching and I couldn't even finish it because it was edited like, uh, uh, like... (laughs) okay, so I have kids. So I see a lot of these YouTube family vlogger things Mm -hmm. and it drives me insane. Like the weird campiness and cuts and sound effects and stuff like that. And the whole movie is cut like that. And I made it like a half hour in, and I'm like, I can't do it. <laughs> um, but this was good. It was definitely worth a watch. On It's on Amazon. It's 90 minutes. It goes by pretty fast. It's pretty interesting because you could look at it as a sociological study. You could look at it as horror. Like, it's it's solid. Cool. And then okay. I treated myself a little bit to 2011's Your Are Next, <laughs> uh, available on Tubi. I like
1: this is one it. I had
2: heard about for... I had heard about this one for so long, and I was just like, eh, home invasion, I don't know, whatever. (laughs) And then, when the Davison family comes under attack during their wedding anniversary getaway, a gang of mysterious killers soon learns that one of the victims harbors a secret talent for fighting back. (laughs) This is such a fun movie. Like, if if you've watched Ready or Not and enjoyed that, like, watch your next. Mm -hmm. Like, it's... It's like it's like the way you wished the strangers would have been, unless you really liked the strangers and just the way it went. Like, but hey, a lot of people like the strangers. As, to be fair, a lot of people like mm-hmm. the strangers. I and I don't. And honestly, I think the strangers is a really terrifying movie. Yes, this is. I remember a totally watching different the theaters. Movie, yeah, and, yeah, and being like, "Oh my god, what the hell!" Like that was a that was a way more intense level of suspense than I was expecting. But your next is fun.
1: It is <laughs> it fun, fun in actually. all the best. But I don't – I need to go back and look because I don't remember it being advertised as as comedy. And I remember seeing your next – It wasn't. Yeah, I remember seeing it it in theaters and I started laughing hysterically and getting dirty looks (laughs) because people thought that I was being a jerk until – it became so obvious that it was a comedy and then they started laughing, but it was such an odd experience because yeah, this marketing was like, no, this is, this is going to be like the strangers like serious stuff, you know, but it's
0: not. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Well, and I even went back and watched the trailer and they definitely made it seem like that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like 30 minutes into it it's like no.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like Wait. I really love the soundtrack. I always felt that it was so catchy. Hmm. You know, and it mm-hmm. just stuck with me for a long time. And then I don't know, like the did wasn't there like um like the siblings like they kind of like rivalry going on between them. It's yes. been a while yep. since. Oh okay. yeah, it was yeah. total
2: it was like a wasp fight
1: yeah they were they were not a without conflict family that's a little bit dysfunctional
2: no not so much um and then oh i i almost i almost forgot i actually don't even have this one written down i totally forgot that i finally watched a uh, vfw as well Oh no. did
1: you did you like that one
2: yep so uh, i'm gonna pull it up real quick so i can do my voice <laughs> Oh,
1: okay i thought <laughs> that yep voice. was a quick
2: <laughs> 2019's vfw on shutter a group of old war veterans put their lives on the line to defend a young woman taking shelter in their local VFW post who's running from a deranged drug dealer and his relentless army of drug-addled punks. I like that they said punks. <laughs> I They'll thought you IMDb said hunks at first and
0: did a double Yeah, that's beat. what I thought too. I was like, <laughs> really? <laughs> drug addict. <laughs> okay.
2: Not so much. my. I did like this. You know, it was one of those movies where for whatever reason, I was putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. I like the whole cast. Yeah. So there's no reason for me. And I think sometimes that's a problem. If I look at a cast and I really like it, like I get nervous that I'm not going to like the movie. Oh. Like, so, but I was wrong. And this one, I think Megan and I had mentioned it to you. This one, to me, going into it, it looked like uh, Mandy, except directed by John Carpenter. Because it had like that assault on precinct 13 kind of feel, it has like the soundtrack definitely feels very carpenter esque. And the Mandy is mostly just the neon, yeah, (laughs) neon, so much neon in the movie,
1: but it is a siege movie, very much a siege. It's very, just like assault on precinct 13, yeah.
2: And I did like it, It, it's it's just it's campy gore, and the the cast are,
1: are clearly having a great time, which is always infectious.
2: It helps so much. I mean, when you get guys like William, like uh, Stephen Lang, William Sanderson, and and and, William uh, Sadler, just like or William Sadler. I mean, and I mean even George Went. I didn't realize George Went was in it until I started watching. I'm like, "There's Norm." (laughs) People listen to his podcast. Who's like, "Who's Norm?" (laughs) Um, Cheers. Yeah, Uh, I did like it. I'm glad that I finally watched it. It's uh, yeah, it's a siege movie. You're not going to be surprised by anything. Like it's not reinventing the wheel by any means. No, you're just having a good but time. It, yeah, it, it really is. It's just it's a very feel good drug-addled siege movie.
1: But like. not with hunks, with punks. <laughs> no hunks. Punks. P- we I just hear what bald. we wanted here apparently Lazy and, and I.
0: What? Evidently. <laughs> Huh? Hunks, a what a hunks movie? you say? <laughs> but they could be punks and hunks. Like. Yeah, they, but. The- maybe
2: some of them clean up. I don't know.
0: <laughs> I, they got to have a lot of rehab, probably.
1: <laughs> All
2: right. Enough <laughs> of what we've been watching this week. It's time for Megan to bring us up to speed on the news and trending topics in the world of horror. So, what's going on, Megan?
1: Do not expect any more. Haunting series from Mike Flanagan anytime soon, if at all. Aww. I know. Uh, well, just why? before Christmas, <laughs> would you say why? <laughs> yeah. Why? We'll get there. Um, just before Christmas, Mike Flanagan was asked on Twitter if there would be any future installments of ni- of Netflix's The Haunting series. He answered that at the moment there are no plans for more chapters. Never say never, of course, but right now we are focused on a full slate of other Intrepid projects for 2020 and beyond. So one of those projects from Flanagan and Intrepid is the brand new horror series Midnight Mass, which just wrapped filming and is expected on Netflix sometime next year. Um, He... He directed all of the episodes of the first season, Haunting of Hill House, and then, you know, that was a lot, a lot of work. And he was, he remained the show runner and the creator, but he ended up passing the director's baton off to notable horror directors like Axel Carolyn for Mm -hmm. The Haunting of Bly Manor. Um, Right before the Netflix premiere of Bly Manor, I participated in a roundtable discussion with Flanagan and other reporters. So I did have an article that went up, but I was focused on a whole lot of other stuff, um, namely like the hidden ghosts and how that tied in. Um, but one of the quotes that did not make the cut of that article is, um, he was asked about the metaphors for the hauntings because in the first season, Nell says, it's not a heart, it's a stomach referring to the house. And, and similarly in Bly Manor, and I think it's episode eight, um, the narrator describes the house and really it's probably more the main ghost than the house, but she describes it as, um, a well of gravity like that, that it's just drawing everything in so essentially <laughs> you have these metaphors for these haunted houses where it's like this is a stomach that eats every like digest everything this is a well of gravity that's drawing everything in so to that question he had answered and this is an actual quote the show is called The Haunting we can't not talk about The Haunting why is it here do we need to answer that do we need to not answer that is the the ambiguity ambiguity is scarier sometimes it really is our answer is necessary sometimes they really aren't or is it a really cool opportunity to try and make a haunting make sense which is like if you're writing a time travel story you're going to hit a paradox that ruins everything so you either have to ignore it or you have to try and make it make sense and either one of those can work great but for me i love it i love the chance to try and do it but you are correct i'm rapidly running out of metaphors. So I don't know if there will be any more seasons of the show or if there are, <laughs> if we aren't going to be like, it's all a gravity ground. It's also a stomach. It's like the gallbladder of the house this time. I don't know. It, it'll be something we kick around a lot, <laughs> mm. but it's something that is really enjoyable. And at the moment anyway, depending on how many other stories like this we end up telling, I think it's always fun to try and turn it on its head and try and come up with a new way to look at why a haunting is just so that it isn't a, 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 just a face under the bed as scary as that can be. So he isn't saying no, but he is saying that he puts, I mean, it's clear he puts a lot of thought into how he's retooling these literary classics and and why these places are haunted. You know, what makes this house haunted versus all of the other houses on the block or in the area. So um, I actually appreciate that as, as a creator of, you know, the stories that we consume um, but another thing that he also mentioned in this, the same round table discussion that is he, he is really looking forward to using his companies and it, and it's success to boost emerging voices and talent that he really adores. So, yeah. you know, I, I take this to mean exactly that, that he's not flat out saying it's never happening, but also don't hold your breath because he is more focused and all of this other stuff. I mean, Hill house, the first season took a lot out of him physically, emotionally, yeah. Um, and you know, you do, I I do value someone who wants to put care and thought versus, well, the fans are demanding it. Let's put it out there. So I don't know if you have any, any thoughts on this.
0: Well, I guess that makes sense. I mean, (laughs) I guess I was just being, I was just being greedy because, you know, I really did, um, really enjoy, uh, his first series and everything. So, but all right, no, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. John's no, like...
2: I, I yeah, and I, I get it too. I mean, he, it's so easy to look, to look at a book or a movie or a TV show or something that you love and want more, mm-hmm. without thinking about how much a creator puts into it. Yeah, because I mean, anyone who's ever created anything, or anyone who's ever spent a long time working towards something. I usually call it, uh, I I call it like the, the wedding day phenomenon, which I evidently just made up right then because I stuttered through it. (laughs) It's more that I, it's more that I think about it in, uh, and I use this comparison to my own wedding. I my wife and I got married really young, but we spent like a year and a half getting ready Mm -hmm. and picking the location and, and and all the stuff. And then. The day after, like, we opened up our wedding gifts, and we sat there, and we are going to go on our honeymoon the next day, but we sat there, and we literally looked at each other and said, well, wh- what do we do now? Yeah. Like, you drive to the finish line and focus so hard, and then you get there, and you put so much into it, and then it's like, okay, what's next? Except with me, or in the case of a wedding, it's over, and it's like, okay. Yeah. In the case of a book or a movie or a TV show, now you got to deal with people. Yeah. Now it's going to be... Now people are going to be like, I love it, or I hate it, or this sucks, or mm-hmm. this is amazing, or we want more, or why did you do this in the first place? And it's this roller coaster that you're just going to get punched in the face with. Mm-hmm. And the more that you put yourself into it and the more that you're proud of the thing that you put out there, the more exhausting it is. Yeah. And so for something like that... I think the greater difficulty came from the fact that he made Haunting of Hill House and then Haunting of Blind Manor. So it seems like he's creating that anthology universe like we got from American Horror Story. Yeah. So it seems like, okay, well, we're going to get like eight seasons of this. That's going to be amazing. Yeah. Without thinking, well, like American Horror Story is its own thing. Like Ryan Murphy and however many writers are involved in that and everything else. So it's, it's more a bummer because it seemed like it was set up to be more. Mm-hmm. than anything else but i'll always i'll always respect creators that walk away
1: yeah that no like you know wins. you do
2: six seasons of Shits creek and walk away good for you daniel yeah. like good or or british tv shows that do the same thing that run for like three seasons or they have like four episodes a season or whatever it's like no this is this is it this is what we got mm-hmm. like we're not gonna milk more money out of it this is our creation this is what we have and i That's absolutely true. respect that God. i get bummed out because i'd like more too right <laughs> you know like like I don't want season two of Watchmen. Season one Same. of Watchmen was perfect. Same. Yeah. And I don't know. They season two might be totally worth it if they do a season two. <laughs> but it, it felt like this such this right. perfect like meal. Just very satisfying, you know? yeah. Oh, just so great. And you know, but you know, but people clamor for more. The more people yeah. love a first of something, <laughs> the more you're gonna want a second. There's more money Gosh. offered. There's more opportunities and. Like, I absolutely respect him for walking awesome. away, and I love the fact that he says he wants to shine the light on up-and-coming creators. I think that's amazing. Yeah, I
0: agree. And he does well, have you. other stuff coming out, too. So, yeah. you know. Thank you for letting me feel terrible, John. Just, I feel horrible <laughs> yeah. for saying. No. You should. No. No, you shouldn't. You should You want more? I get it.
1: Um,
2: I totally understand that, too. Yeah. I don't begrudge anyone who wants more.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But we don't always get what we want, so bummer. Mm. But, you know. That, that means the door is open for other great stuff to, to slide on in. Um, there next you go. is not necessarily big news, but uh, something that I thought was interesting, especially in relation it's big to... big for
2: one of our listeners.
1: It's, it's a bit... Well, okay. <laughs> I will explain myself in a minute. But Wishmaster <laughs> is getting a novelization. Yay. Yeah, which is interesting because uh, the, yeah. the first movie was written by creator of Hellraiser 2, 3, and 4, Peter Atkins, and directed by one-third of the legendary KNB FX group, Robert Kurtzman, uh, and produced by Wes Craven. It was uh, Wishmaster was an instant genre hit upon release. Yeah, maybe. I'm not was sure. It? I mean, might have been
2: look on your face. Yeah,
1: I'm like, was it? I mean, that's part
2: of Listeners, the... that upward inflection you heard, it looks exactly like a south."
1: <laughs> I uh I mean, it did spawn 3 sequels, action figures and and even a stage musical, which I am also very curious about. Yeah, so musical? Yeah, I I didn't know this. Um so I have some sleuthing to do now because I I need to understand what a, a Wishmaster musical looks like. Um, anyways, it showcased its tale with an abundance of imagination and excitement, establishing itself as a classic worthy of its creator's lineage, unlike many of its contemporaries, never received novelization. Uh, mm. Now... Encyclopocalypse Publications is going to make a novelization. They're partnered, they've partnered with Peter Atkins to bring an original novelization to life based on. It's going to be written by Christian Francis based on Atkins's Atkins' original screenplay. So it's supposed to release January 31st, uh, ne- just next month in paperback and for Kindle. And they are going to be working on an audiobook as well. So it's interesting to me because so much time has passed before they decided to tackle a novelization (laughs) of this particular property. But I thought it was interesting because it does tie into a question on novelizations that we had a few episodes back. So I thought it was worth, you know, picking that conversation back up again Um, because, you know, then I'd said, I'm a big believer that they work really nice um, as a companion piece to your horror favorites. But I wanted to share um, a tweet that we received from a, a listener after that episode It was um, at Triple D Music. He tweeted us um, in response to that episode that on the novelization thing, here in the UK, when I was an early teen, because horror movies were usually rated X only for people over the age of 18, novelizations were the only way we can experience any of the movie because we couldn't go and Mm -hmm. see them. So, I mean, that is definitely a supremely interesting insight. So I appreciate that he shared that with us, and it made me wonder if, on that same note, that a novelization twenty-three years later, after a movie's release, could act as a gateway. Because we definitely don't have that same problem, you know. Where, I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but I kind of would sneak into R-rated movies when I was too young to see them. You know, buy a ticket to the PG thing and sneak into the R thing. Um, we definitely didn't have the same kind of uh, panic that that the UK did about their horror movies in the you know the late seventies, early eighties and the VHS era for sure. So, you know, I'm thinking it's it could still definitely work as a companion piece, but it could also be a gateway for people who have no familiarity to Wishmaster because it's twenty three years old. That'll be an
2: interesting adaptation. I assume that it wasn't novelized sooner because it's basically a visual driven movie.
1: Yeah. But I mean you like, could know, totally it's created make that by
2: FX guys.
1: Yeah. I mean it's definitely a a special effects heavy movie, but I think you could definitely get even gnarlier in book form. You don't have to. Well, you worry could. About a budget. I mean,
2: obviously, you know, like Hellraiser started as Hellbound Heart and yeah. really isn't that similar to Hellbound Heart, all things considered. So, but I suppose that's going the other way. That's starting on the page and then being brought to life. So, yeah. Or maybe. <laughs> Or maybe it just makes you wonder, was it really that big on release if no one was interested in novelization?
0: <laughs> but you know what? Wait. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> I love this franchise, okay? I'm not knocking I... the franchise
1: at all. Did I just it... remember because I, I saw this in theaters and I remember everybody hating it. Which is so. And that's why I've like got the weird inflection, because I'm like, was it? Because it did spawn <laughs> sequels, but I remember a lot of hate when it was first released. So is this just Probably time? Because...
0: Yeah, probably because people still went to the theaters to see it. It's like people hate watch a lot of things for some reason. You yeah, know? like they'll go to the theaters. But, you know, I, I was hoping when I saw the, the title, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I was hoping that they would say they're going to reboot it. Well, there's gonna yeah. be a fifth one, and it's just like we need th- evil
2: genies
1: right now. We
0: do, we do, we do. I think
2: 2020 already had Wonder... an evil genie. That's why we're here. Yeah,
1: I do think that this could be a really good one for a reboot if, if in the right hands, and then they maintain the the practical effects bonanza that that the original was. See, so, yeah, I agree with you there. I'm sorry to okay. burst your bubble. You're getting a book instead. No, reading is <laughs> fundamental, Zena. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> S- uh, says on a podcast says, don't turn this off wait till the end
1: yeah <laughs> go, go read something after you listen to us
2: Podcasting's fundamental listening listening can hear before you
1: audiobooks read. is reading ish <laughs> it <Yeah>. still counts. <laughs> it counts there you go um and it is a very quiet news week because of the holidays we're literally in between the two major ones So instead, because we're about to uh, embark on a new year, I thought that I would add to things that we could anticipate, Um, because there's still so much uncertainty for the near future. We have no idea when normalcy, if ever, will return. Uh, So while a lot of 2020 has sucked in many ways, it did make horror more accessible in surprising ways. Um, The Miskatonic Institute of Horror Studies, they're an international educational community through which established horror writers, directors, scholars, and curators celebrate horror history and culture with a very unique blend of enthusiasm and critical perspective. They have regular classes in London, New York, and Los Angeles. And that means that uh, unless you're in these cities... I've never been able to attend any of these their classes before um, unless it's been through a special film festival presentation, which again is still limiting for, for a wider audience. So due to the, per, the, due to the pandemic, they've offered online courses and they're hoping that this semester will be their last, like they're hoping that they can resume normal courses. So that means that you have three different semester courses to choose from. You can choose from New York's, uh, what is that called? Uh, syllabus. Yes. Um, You can choose from three different semester syllabuses from either New York's, L.A.'s, or London's for cheap. Like, they're online courses available to anybody worldwide. Um, You just have to choose one, I think, that either based on the courses you want to choose from or by time zone that you can actually attend online. But they're $10 a class or they're $40 for the semester, which is five classes once per month. So you can see the full schedule of events, including, um, you know, one of the ones that I saw that I was like, yes, I want, is a conversation with legendary makeup artist Rick Baker. Um, So if you want to see what else they have in their lineup, head to MiskatonicInstitute.com. And then similarly, Sundance Film Festival is kicking off next month, and it's usually too expensive and out of reach for for many. Good grief, Park City is expensive. That is a very expensive festival. (laughs) They are going mostly virtual in January, and they... I say mostly because they're also going to have 30 um, venues across the country that they'll have um, in-person screenings at the theater from the 28th through February 3rd. So it's probably the most affordable way. And like that's something that 2020 has benefited from is very accessible film festivals. You don't have to do them in person. You can buy virtual passes for cheap. Um, or relatively cheap, and if Sundance is too much, you know, or too soon, then South by is right around the corner as well. So yeah, basically, slow news, but there's stuff to look forward to already next year.
2: Nice. All right, listeners, tired of us coming up with the questions? That's on you. <laughs> we'll get back to calls next week, but we need your messages. The number is two two four four seven five one zero four zero. Please limit yourself to one question or comment per call, and we just love to hear from you. Finally. If you're anything like us, you spend more than a little bit of time streaming movies on Shutter, Netflix, Amazon, and all the other services out there. So to keep your indecisiveness at a minimum, Zena's going to clue us in on what we should be watching. Zena, what should we be watching?
0: Well, there's only one thing coming out this week. so. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) So on Friday the 1st... 2021 shadow in the cloud will be available on vod while traveling with top secret documents on a b-17 flying fortress a female ww2 pilot encounters an evil presence on board and if you guys would like to spice up your new year's i don't know if you guys like watching um New year's Eve new Year, new year's like type of horror movies I recommend we were just talking about this one a little bit earlier. Uh, New Year's Evil from 1980. It's available on yeah. Amazon Prime and Slang TV. And also, in case you missed it, A uh, Good Woman is Hard to Find is available on Shutter. Um, It focuses on a young mother who's a widow, and she goes through great lengths just to take care of her kids, just to protect them, and she wants to seek the truth um, behind her husband's murder. It is more thriller-y, but it's still, like, a good time. And last and certainly not least, Bloody Disgusting TV, Treat Yourself.
2: <laughs> and that's the bloody disgusting podcast for this week everyone if you'd like to read more from megan you can check out our reviews at bloody disgusting.com and on twitter at haunted meg xena can be found on her own site realqueenofhorror.com and on the youtube channel of the same name or at lovely xena on twitter and you can hear me on my weekly horror narration podcast creepy don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app and let us and feel free to follow us on instagram and twitter at bedisgustingpod or drop us an email at bedisgustingpodcast at gmail.com. so for this week i'm john
0: I'm Megan. I'm Zena.
2: Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody.